I am Ferenc Lotzu, and I'm an editor at the Review of Democracy. And it is a special pleasure for me to have the chance to discuss this new book on Angela Merkel with its author, Coty Morton, tonight. Now, Coty Morton requires no introduction, really, uh, most certainly not to the uh, friends of the Central European University and of our new uh, Democracy Institute. She is a distinguished Hungarian American author and journalist, uh, an award-winning former national public radio and ABC News correspondent. She's also the author of numerous widely read and appreciated books that include The Great Escape, Nine Jews Who Fled Hitler and Changed the World, and Enemies of the People, My Family's Journey to America, in which she discusses her Hungarian family background in detail. Koti Martin has also been devoted to numerous civic and political causes. She's a former chairwoman of the International Women's Health Coalition, a director and former chairwoman of the Committee to Protect Journalists. And she has also co-shaped a host of further organizations such as the International Rescue Committee, Human Rights Watch, and the New America Foundation. Now, on a more personal note, I should mention that Cotty Morton gave the commencement address the year I graduated from the CEU, uh, which is a speech and a day uh, I vividly and very fondly uh, recall. Uh, now, now, let us perhaps uh, begin our conversation uh, uh, tonight with an, with an observation of mine, uh, namely that Angela Merkel has been known to be, a, to be rather fiercely protective about her privacy. Uh, despite having been among the most widely recognized and the most powerful persons in the world for some 16 years now, she has been able to keep the media largely at bay. And so you, now you, you, you state in your new book, The Chancellor, that your intention was really to, to sketch and to really to paint a human portrait of her, right? So as a first question, I, may I ask you what motivated you to want to paint such a detailed and impressive human portrait of Merkel? And was there perhaps something that particularly fascinated you about her when you began to do the research for what became uh, this book? Well, that's a, that's a lot to unpack, Fetty. But first of all, let me just thank you for that wonderful introduction. I enjoyed every minute of it. I'm just sorry it was so short. No, it was, thank you, thank you. I will, I will try to live up to your, to your memory of that commencement speech. Uh, to answer your question about, about Merkel, who is the toughest subject for a, for a biographer, because frankly, she didn't want this or any other book that dealt with her life beyond the chancellery. And, and quite frankly, I'm not writing for, uh, for a handful of, of uh, political scientists. I'm hoping that this book, which, which by the way is being translated into 15 languages, um, will reach a wide audience because she is the most important politician of our time. And I hope that the, those who read this book will agree with me. She has transformed uh, Germany, and we'll get into how she did that. But as to why I chose her, I've never, this is my 10th book, by far the toughest one to have researched and written, and the first one about a woman. And so that was the challenge, is to, is to write a biography about a powerful woman and to explore what it is about a woman's leadership style that, that distinguishes it from, from her male colleagues, and how is it that a woman 
a triple outsider. So a woman from East Germany, a scientist, and and a um, uh, uh, well, I, I combine the woman from East Germany as one, but that's really two things. A woman in a male political culture, which is Germany, which is unique in Europe and never having had a queen. So how did she do this? How did she acquire power? And, and above all, how did she hold on to power for 16 unprecedented years? So there was a lot uh, to explore, but I was mostly interested in the human story of how she shares the, my uh, similar childhood as mine. Uh, I grew up in uh, under communist ruled uh, Hungary, as you mentioned. And, and so there was a bond. She did read that book that you very kindly referred to, Enemies of the People. So that gave me um, a little bit of an advantage perhaps over other authors. So what, what, uh, what she allowed was for me to observe her at work in the chancellery and outside. Um, and, uh, and she allowed me to spend time with her closest advisors. She trusts very few people, and we can get into why it is that she is so suspicious. There are good reasons for that. Um, as she grew up in the Stasi surveillance state, she has reason to be suspicious of people, but she has a, a really a tiny uh, circle of, of, of trusted advisors who have been with her uh, for decades. And I spent a lot of time with them and they were, they. Um, Little by little, this took four years, um, I gained their trust. And so the book reflects um, a, a closer look than I believe other uh, accounts of the, of the chancellor's life. It's impossible to separate her personal and her political life because, because of course she is a, a politician uh, for many years. But, uh, but I try to, with um, res responsibly and respectfully to, um, to figure out what it is, what singular uh, attributes, what qualities uh, she has that, that, uh, that, that fueled this uh, truly remarkable journey from a small East German village in Brandenburg to the, the center stage of the world. That's fascinating. And I actually wanted to address precisely that question next. What do you see as her defining qualities as a person? And how have those qualities come to define her specific way of doing politics? In other words, how, how have her personal traits impacted the style, but also the substance of her leadership? Would you perhaps be willing to, to highlight beyond that maybe some of the greatest strength? and also some of the most notable weaknesses of her as a person and as a politician? She, she has both, of course. And this is, uh, and my, my book, The Chancellor, is not a, uh, an altogether flattering account. I, I, I was aiming for, for the responsible truth. Um, so she does, um, she, 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 her, everything in her political career can be traced to her first 35 years in what she calls a, a lager, the prison state of, uh, of, of, of communist East Germany. 
And she was already a fully formed uh, grown-up, an adult, age 35, when she first crossed from east to west. And by then, these qualities were deeply formed in her. So the qualities, as I already alluded to the fact that 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 she was very that she continues to be extremely suspicious, and that uh, supreme caution of hers uh, has has really served her extremely well in her political life, um, and it has served her well in the age of social media, because she does not engage in social media, and therefore um, the German people are are not sick of her after 16 years. Um, they know so little about her private life. Uh, I'm sometimes, as her biographer, asked, does the chancellor have grandchildren? So asking a, an American writer that, I mean, that tells you how little people know about her. And, and this ability to control the media, to control the coverage, has, has really been um, instrumental in, uh, in keeping, uh, first of all, allowing her to have a human existence beyond politics. So she's not exhausted <clears throat> after 16 years. Um, she is, she's going to have other lives and I hope we, we, we get to uh, my predictions for, for, uh, for what happens once she leaves the chancellery. But uh, the other ability that, that she has is that she has such a strong ego um, that she doesn't need constant approval or affirmation or flattery. She, she in fact doesn't like flattery. And that ego is under such control that she does not engage in, in, in the uh, politics of insult that, for example, uh, Donald Trump, by far her, her toughest, um, into her, 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 her toughest uh, 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 challenge as, as, as chancellor. And I, I spend a lot of time in the book on that relationship, as well as, of course, the other really um, tough, tough one, which is Vladimir Putin, uh, who is the only uh, head of state who has outlived the chancellor. All the others are, are gone, but Putin, to her misfortune, is, is still there. But she never uh, allowed them to, to, to threaten or to shake her self-confidence because the, her self-confidence was formed. She was always the most brilliant student in every class, often the only woman uh, once she became a, a, a physicist, a scientist. And so she's very accustomed to the male ego, to the macho man, and, and is, has fi had figured out very early what their vulnerabilities are and figured out that the best thing she could do, well, two things. One was not to take credit for what she achieved, just get it done without saying me, 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 the way most, I have to say, most male politicians need a great deal of attention. She gets things done and then moves on. And she gets things done by working sideways not frontally. For example, um, she made marriage equality, the law of the land in Germany, without making big speeches. She made a, a, an example out of her foreign minister who was, who was Germany's first gay um, minister, um, 
who passed away, um, Mr. Vestervella, who was a friend of hers, um, and, and praised his 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 love story with his um, male uh, companion, and therefore indirectly she made it okay. And then she told her Christian Democratic Party to vote its conscience um, on this on this issue. Um, she, her remarkable skill at keeping the spotlight off herself is something that politicians should learn from. But, but of course, most politicians don't have her <clears throat> sturdy ego and need a lot of, lot of affirmation, but uh, she does not. So, so, the, so the controlled ego, great stamina, she can stay up later than, than uh, all the men in the room and then go on to have drinks afterwards. A little known fact, she likes to have a good time. Um, and uh, the, uh, Tony Blair, I quote Tony Blair in my book as saying, I had no idea that Angela Merkel, um, you know, liked to have drinks and, and, and have a good time long after <laughs> the day is done. So, so uh, the, the Merkel that, that, you know, and that the world knows is well hidden from the, from the actual vastly more interesting and, and, and more complex character, more complex in motives and more complex in, uh, in personality. But uh, I'll just say one other thing that one other quality of hers is she never lost her talent to be normal. So she lives in the same rent control apartment in, um, in, in, in the Mitte of Berlin, in, in the heart of Berlin, where she has lived for decades. Only her husband's name is on the buzzer. Um, it will not be a huge shock for her to leave um, the chancellery for, for private life because she never took on the trappings of power unlike Putin and, and all the others, she never acquired you know, palaces and, or yachts or she wouldn't know what to do with, on a yacht. Um, and, and she has always lived very simply. She does her own cooking. She does her own shopping as, as most Berliners will tell you at which grocery store they can, they can see her. And so these are quite remarkable qualities which um, the German people have rewarded by re-electing her four times. Not a hint of scandal in 16 years. You can accuse her of being boring, which she is deliberately, but not of, uh, of abusing her privilege or her office. I could go on and on and on because I think she's fascinating, but I'll let you ask the, another question. She, she certainly is. Uh... You know, she is a woman from uh, East Germany uh, and a pastor's daughter and a scientist, like you mentioned earlier. So I think it is safe to say that she was really a rather unusual uh, candidate to emerge as a leading politician on the global stage. And you argue in the book that America can be seen as a quiet proponent of feminism who has really managed to put beyond all doubt the capacities of a woman in charge and that a great deal of what she was able to achieve was in fact not done in spite of her being a woman, but much rather because she was one. 
So I was I wanted to ask you a bit about that because I was wondering what what makes her extended uh, tenure as a councillor in uh, of the Federal Republic a recognizably female form of leadership in your view, and mm. how has she transformed our image of a competent and effective political leader, not least in in gender terms? Yes, yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up, and 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 also um, let me just. Uh, before I deal with with what is it about her leadership style that is that that I consider I will confess I'm a feminist, um, but uh, obviously I I, uh, I appreciate uh, the fact that she has done so much for women. But let me just uh, before we deal with that, in um, underscore the importance of her being the the child of a pastor. This is hugely important in her. She's a woman of powerful, very private, but powerful faith, Lutheran. And, and this, um, this was such an important part of her, or, her origins that, um, that, that the Bible has also been a guidepost for her. And those who were shocked in 2015, when she allowed 1 million refugees, mostly from the Middle East, to enter Germany, um, did, were not familiar with Merkel's formation as the pastor's daughter and as a lifelong uh, Lutheran. And, but it was very much in keeping with the Lutheran edict of looking after the neediest, looking after those who cannot look after themselves. And, but the, the, I, I, I'm not trying to paint her as a saint by any means, because one of the singular, when I, when I referred to the line you just quoted about how she puts to rest all doubts about a woman in power, it's because she's very tough. When she is, she, she has uh, benefited from being underestimated by, by um, her rivals, uh, by everyone, pretty much, because she has such a drab facade, um, and because she is a anything but uh, a stirring speaker. She's she's among the worst public speakers I've ever uh, encountered, and um, uh, you know whether 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 that's deliberate or not, it's a fact. She relies on. On, 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 on results rather than, than words. And with Germans, that too is an asset because Germans, of course, have had a, have had a, 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 a pretty dark history with, with charismatic speakers. So, so I'm not sure that, that Merkel's drab style and poor uh, rhetorical skills would, would transfer uh, to other places, but I wish they would, as I wish more scientists would present themselves for public life, because as a scientist, she relies on evidence and doesn't get caught up in, in, in wild, um, wild notions, a fact which in, in these times that we're living in, the COVID pandemic times has also served Germans very well because she's comfortable with numbers. She can project uh, figures. She she uh, she loves charts. I don't know anyone who loves charts as much as as the chancellor. Um, but the but uh, but to return to the to the um, how she's put to rest notions perhaps that women are 
softer, gentler. Um, this is a woman who has, um, how shall I put it, assassinated, <laughs> decapitated, uh, gotten rid of rivals every step of the way to the chancellery. And, and most notably, her, her, her great mentor, Chancellor Helmut Kohl, who um, she ended his career. She didn't do that uh, because she was power mad. She likes power because power is a way to get things done. That's a direct quote from her. But because he, Cole, was caught in a, um, in a, in a kickback scandal and no one else in the CDU had the courage to, to call him out on that and to say, Helmut, it's time to retire. Um, she did. She, his protege, wrote a scathing editorial in the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, which basically ended his political career and launched hers in a stroke. And so there are many other such examples um, of, of where um, she, she did not let uh, sentimental concerns um, uh, get in the, get in the way of her, of her progress. Right. In the book, you, you describe uh, Merkel as an open and non-ideological person, as, as a pragmatic and cautious realist, really, who pursues evidence-based policies and who believes in incremental change, right? She's certainly not a revolutionary. Uh, you also argue that she has been really eager to make compromises to achieve results, however partial those results uh, at times uh, may have been in places such as China, Russia. We may, we may also mention Hungary uh, in this context. Yes. At the very same time, you state how strong her sense of right and wrong is, right? Coming also from this Protestant background and how much her own system of moral values and also political values has actually guided her throughout her years as a chancellor. So I think, you know, again, both of these sides are, to my mind, eminently true, uh, but there's obviously a certain tension between them, right? So I, I wanted to ask you a, a bit to discuss that, right? Again, you, you possess a very rich and very nuanced uh, information when it comes to Merkel, in many ways unprecedented. Uh, and I, I was wondering whether you could tell us a bit about how she has aimed to reconcile her commitment to liberal and democratic values and the demands of realpolitik. Yes, um, it's a tightrope act. Um, and uh, she is not an idealist. She, she does not believe, uh, that, to quote um, President Obama, that the arc of, of justice, that the arc of human progress bends toward justice. She does not have such a sunny view of humanity. How, how could she, having grown up in a totalitarian state, um, and, uh, which, had, which had been preceded by, by the Third Reich, um, she is steeped in, in, in proof of man's um, weaknesses and, 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 um, and you know, worse qualities. I mean, Germany has been, has been a laboratory of that. But unlike any other country in, in Europe, maybe even in the world, Germany has really worked through its past. And I, uh, unlike, sadly, Hungary, um, you will not 
uh, have a populist uh, politician succeed in Germany. That is that is my prediction. There is now a uh, a far right party in the Bundestag in the parliament, but it but it's not really uh, a threat to to German democracy. It's kind of uh, a nuisance. Uh, but it's more at the level of rhetoric. They they don't really they can't get out of. I think they're at eleven percent, and and um, and and the numbers have been dropping. Um, and certainly during COVID, when when you needed uh, uh, real real competence as opposed to big speeches, big empty speeches, um, the extremists have not done well. Um, but so. So she, um, she, she does walk this, this fine line, but she is also a deal maker. She, um, she believes that, that, um, that a, a deal, even an imperfect one, let's say um, the, the one in, uh, that she achieved with Putin in, in Ukraine, the Minsk Accords, which, which uh, of course didn't, solve the problem entirely but it but it stopped the advance of uh, it, it it ended the actual fighting uh people are still getting killed but in much fewer numbers she hates war she hates military buildups she hates the uh, having to resort to armies to solve issues that should be solved at the at the, at the negotiating table and, and she's actually a brilliant negotiator, not because she uses charm or or um, because because she she um, is 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 tough, but because she overwhelms her adversaries with with facts that they cannot match, and because I referred earlier to her stamina, because she can stay at the table longer, you know, long past when others are dozing off. Um, she's still there working on an, on an inch of progress. And this is, you know, my, my fear when I, when I think about the post-Merkel uh, era is who is going to be that dedicated to, to staying at the table and in, in pursuit of a deal. And it's not that she sells out, you know, for a deal, but for example, with China, which is now, you know, the big... Uh, the looming issue for 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 all of us, for the United States, for Europe, certainly for Germany. As early as 2005, she identified China as the coming giant. She has made more trips to Beijing than any other head of state. As a result, she gained the trust of the leadership, not just Xi, Xi Jinping, but but those beneath him. She knows who to talk to about which issues. She treats China with tremendous respect, the respect that she as a historian, which she is, um, believes that China deserves as a former great power, great culture. Um, you know, where was Europe when, when the Chinese were already, um, you know, inventing gunpowder and making beautiful sculptures, which, which she, uh, she uh, has visited actually outposts of great Chinese civilization. So, so the respect that she brings, she doesn't just, uh, you know, helicopter in and then leave the next day. She takes time in, in China and treats, treats the leadership with respect. 
having said that, um, she pushed through a very tough deal, which which um, not every not all her her EU partners um, approved of um, uh, last last year at the end of the year when she was in the presidency of the um, European Council, uh, a trade deal with China, which, um, which favors Germany more than any other European country, quite simply because Germany relies on the Chinese market more, certainly the uh, German uh, uh, automobile industry and, and, um, and, and, and technical uh, industries rely more on Chinese market than any other. So, so she does favor um, let's say she privileges uh, Germany over others in the EU, which is a criticism that I make in my book. But, but of course, she is chancellor of Germany, first and foremost. She may be the most powerful defender of democracy in the world, as she is, but she is first and foremost chancellor of Germany. So her first concern is the German market. And, and you know, you raise Hungary, which is my former homeland and yours. Um, and I, I think in a way she's given uh, Viktor Orban a pass uh, because, because her, her mantra is the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. That's how she makes decisions. And, and she, she wanted uh, Orban and Hungary in the EU she didn't want to give them an excuse to, to jump out of the EU and, and, uh, and get even closer to, uh, to Putin and to the Chinese, which is happening in, in Hungary, bizarrely enough. Um, I, I say bizarrely enough because, because uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in, in a Hungary that was occupied by Russians, and now it seems like the Russians are welcome again, um, as, are, as are the Chinese. Um, but so she so she didn't want to make a didn't want to make Orban and Orban's defiance of European Union values uh, of, of fair play and human rights and tolerance, all those things that Orban is defying. Um, she didn't want to make that the big issue. She felt that she had bigger issues than that. And and yes, Hungary is a. Um, is a problem for her, but and will be a problem for her, her successor. But I don't think that they're willing to blow up um, um, the EU to to punish Hungary. She is often accused of not having a vision. I think you alluded to that. I would say I would disagree with that. I would say that her vision is is a strong Europe. And, and for that, she needs uh, all members uh, to, uh, to, to stay in the club. Brexit was a big blow for her. And of course, um, of course, what has happened to the United States um, has been um, also a, a, a tremendous mm -hmm. blow because she so, I would say, loves and admires the United States. And uh, even though, even though uh, Trump has been defeated, um, I think she's lost some of her trust in a country that, that was capable of electing Trump. And of course, January 6th, the attack on, on, on Congress was a shocking event for her.
we could easily be discussing her fascinating and very complex personality and her really a also very intricate political career a lot longer, but I'm afraid we slowly have to come to a close, but I really wanted to ask you a final question, mm -hmm. and that is about your expectations regarding her legacy, right? You insist in the book that Merkel has represented a politics of reason, moderation, consensus building, but in an age that is characterized by increasing lawlessness and rising authoritarianism. Yes. And again, with no scandals to damage her personal reputation and no uh, you know, big or major lies uh, on record to really question her morals, I think she might be set to, to be somewhat of an outlier and almost an anachronism, if you wish, in an age which is now increasingly defined by corrupt strongmen who are really intent on manufacturing their own uh, truth, if you wish. So would you perhaps be willing to, to highlight what you view as her signature achievement and as her greatest failure while in office? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And more generally, how should we remember her? How should we remember Merkel's historic uh, 16 years as chancellor uh, mm -hmm. of the Federal Republic and as a leading uh, European politician of the early 21st century? How would you think about her legacy? Well, the, yeah, let me start with the easy part because you ask a lot of uh, tough questions there. The easy part is her, in my opinion, her legacy. She quite simply transformed Germany um, from not, uh, not merely being the economic uh, powerhouse of Europe, but also the, the center of morality. I mean, just think about that. The former Third Reich as, as now being considered the moral center of the world. I mean, who else now uh, with American retreat and American um, uh, in, ineptitude in, in diplomacy? We, 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 we saw the, the double example of that with our, our, uh, our chaotic retreat from Afghanistan and then followed by, by this unnecessarily um, clumsy diplomacy um, vis-a-vis -vis, um, France with uh, the, the deal, the, the nuclear sub-deal with Australia and Great Britain, in, entirely av avoidable in my, in my opinion. My, I, I have to say I was married to a great diplomat and he would not have, uh, Richard Holbrook, would not have, have, have uh, played either of those cards uh, that poorly. But at any rate, so her transformation of Germany um, is, is, is her, um, is, is her primary legacy, and it's a huge one, but not only because she allowed um, a million uh, uh, Middle Easterners to peacefully be assimilated into German society. German society has not been turned upside down as a result, um, but also because it's a much more liberal and tolerant uh, society now, much, much more uh, uh, friendly toward women, um, and, uh, and, and, and in many ways, she's made parties almost irrelevant. I know one of the, your themes today was, was the Christian um, uh, Democrats, but, but in fact, um, she's made uh, parties uh, sort of, sort of old-fashioned because, because she, she stole from everybody. And, and um, her, her um, uh, uh, finance minister, Olaf Scholz, who now looks uh, to be well-placed to be her successor, 
um, is really running on, on Merkel's legacy, uh, so much so that he's even adapted using her, her famous Merkel rhombus, her hand gesture. So um, uh, her, her um, kind of declaring that parties are no longer really that important, that, uh, that ideas are, 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 um, are, are more important than, than, um, than political parties is also uh, part of her legacy. She's not a magician. Um, so she has not, you know, waved a magic wand and made all those, those uh, um, macho tough guys uh, vanish. But she has illustrated how to deal with them. And you deal with them not by uh, getting down in the mud with them, not by, by engaging in name calling with them, but by getting them to the table and, and making them deal with facts. Uh, she shames her interlocutors, her partners, by making them stick to facts. And if they haven't done their homework, she sends them back to do the, uh, their homework. So it's a, it's a, um, it's a model that, uh, that I think others should follow. And uh, of course, primarily women you know, the combination of the, of the toughness, the ruthlessness and, and the parking of the ego um, is something that, that men and women leaders um, should, should learn from. And, and look at the reward, 16 years uh, in an age of, uh, of diminishing uh, attention span where, you know, people have their five minutes of fame and then they're gone. Uh, I, I would urge uh, all future leaders, present leaders as well, to to study the Merkel playbook and um, and and follow her her formula. Yes, um, it's a politics of of moderation, non dogmatic, non ideological. Uh, I would like to think that it is a politics with a future, because if it if it doesn't have a future, then we're all in, in deep trouble because um, to, to, uh, to, to continue to divide us rather than, than find common ground, which was always her, uh, her goal, um, would lead to catastrophe. Thank you so much for that, Kati Marton, uh, truly great pleasure to discuss with you at this special symposium. The book we have been discussing tonight is titled The Chancellor, The Remarkable Odyssey of Angela Merkel. It paints a captivating portrait of the first uh, female chancellor of the Federal Republic, and it has revealed to me many aspects of Merkel as a person and as a politician uh, that I haven't really known before at all. The book will be out uh, next month. Again, we have been discussing the past and present of Christian democracy this afternoon and evening, not least to open a space for reflection on one of the most defining and also least understood political traditions in modern and contemporary Europe. Uh, we have been doing this on the occasion of the upcoming German elections, uh, and also at the end of Angela Merkel's historic tenure of 16 years. What the future of Christian democracy will hold, I think appears rather uncertain at the moment. 
but all the insights we've been gathering uh, into its history and politics, and also its major contemporary representative, uh, the Kanzlerin, will hopefully help us also with interpreting uh, that uh, future to come. So thank you so much once again, Kati Marton. Thank you, uh, Ferenc. It's been it's been such a pleasure. I feel like uh, we could go on and on and on because because there's so much more to to her story and to her example. And um, and I, I probably spent too little time on on her her blind spots. And I'll just um, I'll just um, to uh, to, to uh, attempt to balance my perhaps. Uh, overly favorable account. Let me say that that the uh, alternative for Deutschland is also a child of the Merkel era. So she does have her blind spots, and but her 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 surpassing uh, character and and uh, and the 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 fact that she was she was willing to put country and the world above self um, it should inspire uh, all of us. I should say it's a really finely balanced portrait that you paint uh, in the book. And I think it's very clear how fascinating a person she is, how much she has achieved, but also some of the problematic legacies become very clear on the pages. Uh, so again, nothing to excuse about, that's for sure. Thank you so much for, once again. Thank you everyone for your attention and have a nice rest of the evening. Thank you, Ferenc.